Hello everyone, welcome to Keep Singing, and this is your final post-mortem of season eight. Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna get into it. If you were following my live blog on Tumblr last night, you know that I'm not pleased. As for me, I'm your host, Sunny, aka Dynamic Symmetry, on Tumblr and Twitter and other places. And yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to be with you all. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and real quick, I'm gonna do this before rather than after we get into uh, the recap itself. Um, just a reminder, if you enjoy these, if you wanna help me keep making them, if you wanna help me do other stuff, which I will talk about in a minute, uh, you can shoot me a couple bucks a month and it's super helpful. It helps me justify the amount of time I put into this. It helps me cover my very real out-of-pocket costs involved in making this thing. Uh, you can go to patreon.com slash dynamic symmetry. You can check out the rewards I've got up there. Uh, you can, if you have a couple dollars to spend, again, you can toss them in my hat. Uh, otherwise, you can buy me a coffee, which is also linked at the top of my Tumblr, dynamicsymmetry.tumblr.com. Um, and you can also just, you know, spread the word about this thing. Just anybody who isn't listening to it, who you think might be into it, let them know. Because, yeah, that's that's great when more people listen. Uh, super awesome and I really appreciate those of you who have been listening and have been supporting me so far it's it's amazing uh, people have been suggesting some things that I can do now that I'm not doing postmortems for the actual show as it's being broadcast and and somebody suggested something that I think is really cool and that I'm kind of doing anyway for the good stars my big ridiculous canon rewrite and that is to actually go back through the show from episode one of season one and kind of do postmortem recaps of each episode uh, now that you know, I've, I've watched the show a couple of times. Um, many episodes I've seen more than twice. And, you know, I it's have some maybe different perspectives on some stuff after the end of season eight, and I just think it's a cool idea. So I'm gonna keep doing that. Um, I don't know that I'll be able to do it every week, but I'm gonna try and do that. So uh, you're hopefully gonna keep getting fanfic stuff from me. Um, I'm gonna do a couple of other things with the podcast that are not recaps, but I'm gonna try and do a re kind of a weekly retrospective of the whole show going forward over the hiatus, you know, just kind of give myself something to do while we wait for uh, filming spoilers for season nine to start, yeah. Okay, all right. Um, I've got I've got my tea. Um, I've actually fortified it with Carnation Instant Breakfast. Carnation, if you'd like to sponsor this thing, by the way. Um, so it's a, a it's tea fortified with vitamins to get me into the um, significant amount of complaining that I'm going to be doing. So yeah, without further ado, uh, let's get into it. Uh, I want to start by telling you guys a story. Not a, not a long one, I promise. So my first novel, uh, Line in Orbit, was co-written with a friend of mine. But because she was also in grad school, we were both in grad school while we were doing this, she kind of had to drop out a little more toward the end and focus more on that. So I ended up writing the final 10,000 words of the book um, just about all by myself. And what I ended up writing was not unlike the season finale. It was uh, kind of this big final battle where, uh, you know, two opposing sides sort of ran at each other uh, on this big field on this planet someplace. Uh, you know, and then, and then this, it, the war is over, or at least that battle is over, and everybody's kind of picking up the pieces, and, you know, we're not fighting anymore, uh, even though the, the battle ends up being tremendously costly and, uh, you know, a lot of people die. 
Uh, it's it wasn't exactly like last night worked, but it was similar in a lot of ways. And for that reason, I feel like the end of that book is in some respects one of the weakest parts of that book. There are parts of it that I like a lot. There are there are things I did at the end of the book that I'm actually quite proud of, and I think overall it's a pretty good book. But yeah, I did not entirely stick the landing of that book, and one of the reasons why I kind of didn't stick the landing is because I built up this, I, I built up an incredible amount of tension between these two sides, and I had to I had to do something with it in the last 10,000 words. I had to conclude it somehow, and I had to conclude it with some kind of epic battle because that's what I'd been building to. But I got to this point where it was like, shit, like I'm not entirely sure how to make this happen in a way that works, just in terms of pure strategy, in terms of how wars work. And I kind of flubbed it. And I, I, I did it, I, I flubbed it because I got scared and a, not lazy exactly, but I kind of, I ran away from the, the harder work that I would have had to do to make it really work. And looking at what happened last night brought me back to that feeling. You know, the, the feeling, sitting back after having written the, the, final, the final scene of the book and thinking, that was pretty good. I'm proud of it. But I can just feel on some level that something didn't go quite right. And I'm otherwise a pretty decent writer. Uh, that was that was my first that was my first novel. Uh, again, I co-wrote it, so it wasn't all me. But you know, your your first novel, or at least your first published novel, you know, it's not going to be amazing uh, for a lot of us. Some of us come out the gate swinging, and that's awesome. But for some of us, you know, you can tell that it's kind of a first or at least an initial effort. So I, I, I guess what I'm saying is uh, I don't excuse the poor writing from last night, but I also kind of recognize it, and I think I understand how they got to that point. Um, I'll talk more about that. Let me have some tea. Mmm, vitamins. Okay, so, yeah. Um, I, I said at the time... I mean, let, let, let me just come out and say it for those of you who were not following my live blog. I think last night was incredibly weak. I think it was, I think it was not a good episode. I, I would I would come out and call it a bad episode. I, I just, I, that was my cat shaking her collar. Um, I, I don't think that it was good in almost any respect. It was just, it was weak. It was weak pretty much wall to wall. And I, I, I you know me, I really like this show. And I came into this episode wanting to like the episode. So it's not like I'm difficult to please. I'm really not. Uh, it's give me a halfway decent story and these characters that I love doing stuff that I think is reasonably cool and I'm very pleased. This did not please me. And I, one of the reasons why I think that they, they flubbed it, and I looked at who wrote it and it's, it's, it, was, it was writers who otherwise do a very good job. It was Scott Kimple you know, who I think actually delivers pretty routinely. It was Angela Kang, who's also, you know, re pretty reliably good. And Matthew, and I'm not sure how to say his last name, Negrette? Negretti? Anyway, it was him. And those are, you know, pretty reliably great writers. And I, it's, it's bizarre. It's not bizarre. It's not quite that strange. It's, it's, it's weird and jarring to me that they turned in such a bad performance in this particular case in terms of writing. But I think one of the reasons why they did that is because 
the the war plot with Negan, you know, the 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 central plot that they took from the comics, the the everything that led up to the final fisticuffs between Rick and Negan under that weird ass tree uh, was boring as shit. Like this, this season was saved from being boring, as far as I'm concerned, by the fact that all of the stuff that was surrounding that central plotline was very interesting and cool. And, and, and the, the central plotline, which again is ultimately pretty boring, didn't overwhelm that stuff. It, it was almost in some cases kind of background to all of the more interesting stuff that, interesting stuff that was happening in the foreground. And because in this episode they were closing out that plotline, they kind of had no choice but to center it. And they got to, I think, a place where it was like, shit, like, this actually isn't a very good story. So how do we make it good closing it out? And they just, they dropped the ball completely. Like, they totally failed. Uh, Martine, I'll talk more about how they failed. Okay, so I think... I think the moment where I started really pinning down why it wasn't good was the moment Rick cuts Negan's throat, which we all knew was a fake out for fuck's sake. I'm not even sure why he did it. It was like a, it was a transparent fake out. It was, you know, it was the show trying to build up some some tension or some question over something that I don't think any of us thought was a question at all. We all knew Negan was going to survive. Uh, and then... Like suddenly, they don't—they don't telegraph in a clear way why he has a change of heart there. I mean, clearly we're meant to take it as centered around Carl. That is what the writers wanted us to think, but it happens so quickly. It's a little bit like how what I was talking about with the you know Negan redemption storyline, which ended up not really being a redemption storyline. So I'll give it credit for that. But it just felt like it felt like it happened kind of out of nowhere and it didn't feel like anything we'd seen on screen really justified why it happened the way it did. You know, suddenly Rick decides that he's going to save this guy who is, who is dangerous, who he should kill. He really should. It would be the smart thing to do. No, it's not what Carl would have wanted, but this guy should die. He's going to be a problem. And it doesn't mean that all the saviors have to die. You know, you're still building another world by doing basically what, you know, they did with with Woodbury and saying, you know, you, 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 you are all forgiven. There is amnesty for all of you. Your leader is, is going to have to go, but all of you are welcome to, you know, help us build this new world. They could have done that. It would have made sense. And it, it would have, I think, fulfilled the story that the writers were trying to tell about how, when, how you end a war kind of decides what the war meant all along. I, 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 I again, never read through the, whole war plotline in the comics, but my very strong sense, my, my, my very strong sense drawn from very incomplete information and a, a bias against Kirkman from the beginning, which I will freely own. My, my strong sense is that Kirkman left Negan alive because Kirkman just loves Negan. Like, not that it made sense to leave him alive, but just, you know, Kirkman, he's a self-insert and he, Kirkman didn't want to kill the guy. And it, it just, it didn't work. Rick deciding to let him live didn't work, and the fact that Rick cut his throat initially made it even more jarring and even weirder. And yeah, I just, I don't think what we saw on screen was justified by anything that came before it. It felt very clumsy. It felt like they were forcing the plot into the comics. 
and because they felt like they had to do that and it just it just fell completely flat it wasn't good it wasn't wretchedly terrible but it was just it was dumb it was dumb and it didn't make a lot of sense and i really did not like it and the 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 moment at which i think i really started literally rolling my eyes not just going i don't like this but going oh for fuck's sake this is so stupid was rick's speech which was just atrocious it was so badly written and you rick rick is not eloquent i mean he can be but up until last night the best i think we'd ever seen him do was the we are the walking dead speech which I thought felt very natural. I thought it flowed really well. It did feel like something that a person, you know, a human person talking might say, talking off the cuff might say. But the speech that Rick delivered last night, I mean, it it, it felt and read like a speech that had been written beforehand by not a terribly good speechwriter. It was not the kind of thing that people say off the cuff. Human beings do not talk like that. They just don't. And one thing that this show does tend to do pretty well is dialogue. So it wasn't just it wasn't just stupid kind of out of character for these writers, but it was very jarring in how stupid it was. Um, it, it, it almost kind of disturbed me how stupid it was. And the... Oh, more tea. God. The thing about the speech that didn't work, totally aside from the fact that it was not well written and did not sound like the kind of thing that Rick would say, was how it just stopped everything dead. You know, there's that wonderful moment in Children of Men, if you've seen that movie, where at the very end, uh, they're carrying the baby out of the building, and all of the soldiers kind of stand down. And there's this, this wonderful single, you know, single shot, single camera shot, where they're all standing aside and kind of watching in in religious awe as this baby, which, you know, there are no more baby, no more babies in the world of children of men, as this baby is being carried out of the building. And, you know, all of the fighting stops and they all just kind of watch as this happens. And that works because the movie has established that it's a world in which things like that can happen. Uh, it's, a, it's a world in which people can be completely overwhelmed by the simple fact that a child has been born and might survive. And I don't think the writers have done a good job with that, with that same thing in this universe. Uh, they, I, I have talked about before, and I, I really believe, and I think that last night kind of drove it home even more for me, that there there is an element of the supernatural being hinted at in how this show is telling its story. And particularly that's being uh, shown in Morgan because Morgan has visions. You can say that they're hallucinations fairly, and you know you can say that they're coming from his own broken psyche, but they're still visions, like legitimately, I think. He's seeing true things. So it's, it's, not that, it's not that improbable things can't happen, and it's not that things that you might not consider to be completely in character for how human beings function can happen. But last night, I mean, that's just not how wars end. Like, it's not. Uh, it's, you know, you get, you get things like the, the Christmas truce in World War I, where, you know, it's, it's Christmas Eve and the fighting stops and people get out of the trenches and they cross no man's land and, you know, they have Christmas together and then at the end of it, they go back to their trenches and they start fighting again. You, things like that do happen in real life, but they are, they, they are the exception. And when they happen, nobody gives a speech, really. 
It's just, that's just not how it works. And if you really want to tell a truly interesting story about the aftermath of a war, I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. It just, it felt really wrong to me. It, it felt like people trying to put a happy ending on a story that where they really have not earned the happy ending. Now, I, I know that it wasn't completely a happy ending. They, they put down some seeds for conflict in the next season. You know, you kind of have Maggie and Daryl and Jesus, which I'll talk about in a second, all potentially kind of, kind of not, not quite plotting against Rick, but kind of edging in that direction. They're definitely working at cross purposes to Rick. And I think that's interesting. And so, so it definitely wasn't all, you know, sunshine and, and unicorns and cute little mice in feety pajamas. It, it was, there, there were some, some hints of, of trouble ahead, but it just felt too rosy. It felt too neat. It felt like they were trying to make everything too happy after, after so many horrible things have happened. And, you know, there's this, there's this wonderful kind of sequence at the end of Return of the King, the, the film. And I think, I think this actually, this is actually some stuff that Sam says on the, um, on the slopes up to Mount Doom, where he's talking about the value of stories and, and how stories make you believe in things and talking about how stories give you hope that something good can come out of um, a, an event where so much bad has happened. You know, something where you think, how can anything, how can anything be happy after something so terrible? And it's not that I have a problem with that idea. I mean, that, that speech in Return, I choke up just thinking about that speech, that Sam's speech in, in, at the end of that movie or toward the end of that movie is one of my favorite things in those movies. And I love those movies very much because I really feel, you know, you know me, I love stories. I, I feel like on a fundamental level that what he's talking about with stories is true, but it did not work in this case at all, I think. And and one of the things that Return of the King does that this story, that the season finale and how they ended this particular part of the story really didn't do. And and um, it's kind of it's it's kind of made most manifest in how Frodo has to go to the Grey Havens and how he can't stay in the Shire. You know, and he says, you know, the Shire's been saved but not for me. Although the Shire survives, and although, you know, Sam marries Rosie and they have kids, and, you know, they, they, it's not implied, it, it's not implied that they live a perfect life forever, but, you know, there is, there is in that sense kind of a happily ever after. But it's, it's also, and I think this is made even clearer in the book, uh, it's, it's made pretty plain that after a war that is as terrible as the war between the forces of good and, and uh, Sauron's powers, uh, the, the world will never be the same. You know, there's, there are scars in the world that won't really heal. And, and the, the era that preceded it is over. You know, the elves leave. And now it's the age of men. So there is a kind of enchantment and a kind of magic that is leaving the world. And Tolkien understood that there are some scars after a war that don't heal. And there are some things that can't go back to the way they were. I mean, he went through World War One. He understood. He understood goodness and he understood hope, but he also understood how terrible war is. And I just didn't, maybe we'll see it next season, but I just did not get the sense last night that the writers were recognizing that. Uh, I didn't see very much sign on the part of the writers that, you know, maybe, maybe some of the saviors aren't going to be so happy about this arrangement. Maybe some of the saviors are not going to be so, you know, as I said about Daryl, you know, Rick's speech is not going to make their hearts grow three sizes that day. And yeah, you know, again, I'm, I'm leaving room for next season to do some of that, to do some stuff with that, because 
there's some stuff that they just didn't show last night and I get it. I get it, I get it, I get it. I'm actually really psyched for next season because I thought that the stuff that they set up in the episode was pretty cool. But yeah, it just, they, I didn't buy it. I just didn't buy any of it. Um, T. And another major problem with it, I mean, I, I talked about how it felt forced. I talked about how you know, it didn't, it didn't feel realistic in terms of how wars work. And it, Rick's speech, you know, again, Rick's speech is kind of a crystallization of everything wrong with the episode in that it's just, it's corny, poorly written bullshit that doesn't feel real at all. Uh, it, it, it was really predictable. Something, something else that somebody, you know, said in my inbox is, you know, last night was just completely predictable. And it was, and I've talked about predictability before, and I don't, personally feel that predictability is an intrinsic negative. Um, uh, there, are, there are a lot of really great stories that are actually fairly predictable because they follow an old form. Turning tropes on their head is cool, but it isn't always necessary in order to tell a good story. M many, many of the stories I love are completely predictable. What matters in terms of whether or not a story is predictable is how it's done. You can tell a very predictable story very well. Last night felt predictable because it felt lazy. It felt like, you know, we're not going to deviate from these fairly, these, these, these turns of plot that people can pretty much see coming a mile away, even if they're not super familiar with the comics. But also predictable, just kind of out of, out of laziness. Like not predictable in the sense of we're going to follow a very old form, but, but just in the sense of we're going to take the path of least resistance. It would have been much more interesting to kill Negan. It would have been much more interesting to kind of have Rick sort of halfway give in to the darkness that's been building in him all through the last half of the season. It Him bucking that just didn't, yeah, it didn't, it would have been less predictable for him to not do that. And again, I think that he could have done that without betraying what Carl wanted. And that's, that's another big problem. This, I, I've talked before a lot about how important endings are. Endings are important because they make sense of everything that's gone before, because they justify all the decisions that you've made, especially the controversial ones. And because a, a bad or a good ending can work backward. You know, it, it does, it does, it's not, it's not the case that there's an end and then the end exists in isolation from everything else that's happened in the story. An ending works backward and it, a bad ending can go back to something that was not in itself that bad and make it worse. And I, you know, I, I didn't, I have not necessarily agreed completely with the decision to kill Carl, but for what it was, I thought it was pretty well done. And I, I thought that it was, they did a good job kind of interweaving it and its effects through the story in the back half of the season. But then last night, which was, I think, where that, the, the reasons behind that death and the effect of that death on these characters was really supposed to pay off, it just didn't happen. And that you know, means that I look back on, on Carl being killed and I just feel like, yeah, they didn't justify it. You know, they, they, it's not that they did it poorly because the fact that they did it really well in and of itself isn't changed, but the decision to do it in the first place is made even more questionable by the fact that they didn't end up delivering on what killing him required of them in terms of explaining why Rick was doing what he was doing. It just, yeah, that was, that was, I think, one of the biggest problems with last night not working out is it, it, 
it took a very controversial, very potentially problematic decision, and it didn't do anything to make it less problematic, at least in my eyes, and it seems like in the eyes of a lot of people. Uh, I'm not sure that Carl had to die in order for us to get where we ended up last night. Uh, I can actually think of a number of other ways in which um, it would have been a lot better. Like, if, if you wanted to have Negan survive, I think it would have been better if Carl had intervened at the very last moment. You know, and stood between Rick and Negan and kind of said, you know, no, it's it's over. You know, his way of doing things is over. Um, you know, I'm not going to let you kill him. That would have been... Carl standing directly against his dad would have been very interesting. Like, that would have set up some tension for next season that I would have been super about. And it would have actually, you know, launched a really interesting arc for Carl that, you know, he's not going to have now. Leaving Carl alive and having him intervene at the last moment. Yeah, I just thought of that. The more I think about it, the more I think that would have been a much better way of doing it. But, you know, it's not. They didn't do it that way. And, yeah, I think that was a big mistake. Hold that thought about uh, poor writing and especially kind of... uh, Hold that thought and kind of drag it back to what I said about how I ended... Um, line in orbit. Uh, real, real quick, Maggie and Daryl, Maggie and Daryl and Jesus. Um, I that was one of the things that I really liked and that, that kind of got me, got me really interested in next season. Um, I like that Maggie is potentially working at cross purposes with Rick. I like that tension. I like that potentially we have a problem there. We have an additional problem in that uh, it really. You know, Lauren Cohen's position regarding the show seems pretty questionable. Uh, From what I read, you know, she could still... It's not that she's leaving the show for good, necessarily. She still might be there in a limited capacity. But she's being set up as Rick's central foil next season. And if she's only going to be there in a limited capacity, I don't really understand how they're going to tell this story. At least, I don't understand how they're going to tell it in the way that they're setting it up. Now, I'm not saying they can't pull it off. I'm just saying, from my perspective right now, I'm not sure how they do it. And that's shitty. And it's not their fault. It's AMC's fault. I actually feel for the writers because they're the ones who are going to have to try and make it work. And if they fail, they're the ones who are going to get blamed. Which is, you know, bullshit. People, I think, often kind of mesh AMC in with the writers and the showrunner and that's completely not true and often the two are kind of working against each other and people need to recognize that that a lot of the things that they don't like that happen may in fact be the network's doing and not the writers doing but yeah i don't really understand how that's going to work out and i'm not happy about it but i am looking forward to seeing you know it in any capacity um i'm very excited about daryl working against rick um yeah i mean i love their relationship as as friends I love their relationship as brothers. Uh, Those of you who read my fic know that I've put them together romantically a number of times. But I love the idea of them kind of going back to, or going forward, because it wouldn't really be like season one, kind of going going to a place where they're working against each other. Uh, I'm, I'm very interested in seeing that. I'm also heartened because... When Rick was making his speech, we didn't get a sense really of how... We, we definitely saw that Maggie wasn't pleased, but we didn't really get a sense of how Daryl was reacting to it. And, you know, they've put they've done so much work over the course of, God, three seasons? Yeah, three and a half seasons, because it really started around CODA. They've gone through so much work to make it clear that Daryl is in such a bad place. And I was like, if this stupid fucking speech pulls him out of it and makes everything fine again... 
that might be a bridge too far. I might not be able to forgive the show for that because that is just so incredibly dumb. But they didn't end up doing that. Uh, Daryl is, is clearly not happy about what's been going on and he's clearly very willing to work against Rick. And I'm, I'm cool with that. I think that that could be really neat. And also, I mean, I, I want... I want him and Maggie to hang out and bond and maybe talk about some shit. I don't really expect that to happen, but yeah, I'm, I, I, I am looking forward to him and Maggie being at the hilltop kind of away from everybody else and sort of figuring stuff out together. Um, I don't exactly ship it. I did write that one thing where they ended up together, but if you've read that, you know that that's not really your typical putting two people together romantically. Among other things, it's not really romantic. Uh, that's just not, that's not how I, that's not where I took it. But yeah, I just, I, I love their relationship anyway, and I, I want to see more of it. So yeah. Uh, but the, the one thing about that that I didn't get at all is why Jesus was there. You know, is why is he into this? His whole shtick has been, you know, the, the guy who's peaceful and arguing for togetherness. And, you know, he's the guy who kind of, that was so stupid, by the way, basically just healing Morgan by telling him to turn his stick around. That's so stupid. Morgan has gotten so dark and he's gotten into such a bad place. And, and what, Jesus tells him to turn his stick around and suddenly he's okay again? Or at least he's in, he's heading in that direction. I'm sorry, that just doesn't work. That is just not realistic. It doesn't match what they've been doing with that character at all. Maybe on Fear the Walking Dead, which I don't plan on watching, by the way. Maybe on Fear the Walking Dead, they're going to kind of change that and, and pull him back into what I think is a more realistic direction for him. But yeah, that was just so stupid. But especially given that, why is Jesus, why is Jesus cool with this? I, I have to think that he wouldn't be. I mean, I have to think that he would be more on Rick's stupid, everybody needs to get along now side. And I just, I don't, that was another really false note. And maybe they'll explain that better in season nine, but I have no idea what he was doing in that scene and why he seemed totally fine with everything Maggie was saying. I mean, it's, it is, it's somewhat complicated by the fact that Maggie was also saying, you know, Ma Maggie seems very willing to work with the existing saviors. It's it's not that Maggie wants revenge on all the saviors. She's, if, if, if you're a savior and you want to go ahead and, and work with her and start building this new world, she seems to be pretty fine with that. She just wants Negan dead. But it, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just don't know. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me either. Yeah, the, the, the ease in the reconciliation, just in general, that just doesn't, that's just not how wars work, you guys. It's not. It's never how wars work. Reconciliation is always just... The, the, the aftermath of a war is the worst. And it's so hard. And very often it just ends up spawning more wars. And yeah. Oh, God. I just... Oh. I'm so unhappy about last night, you guys. I'm really not pleased... And you know, if, if you know me, you know that I'll defend this show. Um, I've, I've been much happier with it than a lot of people I've seen. I've definitely been happier with it than a lot of the critics I've read. And I've loved episodes that other people hated. But I will come down hard on this show when they do shit I think is shitty. And I'm doing that now. Like, it's not like I'm desperately wanting to be pleased by this show. I'm very ready to be pleased. I am frequently pleased. But I'm not pleased by this. I think last night was terrible writing. It was also, and, and this is not really the writer's fault, but I swear to God, half of what we saw was ads. We got n nothing, and this was another, another problem with last night, nothing happened. 
Like nothing really happened. Very little actually occurred. You had people marching over a hill and then everybody tried shooting at each other and the shooting at each other didn't work and then there was a little bit of a scuffle and then it was just done. And it, it, was, it just felt so anticlimactic. We had two seasons of a war and then this was supposed to be the end of the war and it just fizzled. And it really felt to me like they did kind of get to a point where they were like, shit, we have to wrap this up and it actually isn't very interesting. What the hell are we gonna do? Yeah, yeah. I, again, you know, if they're, if they're being told that they have to work with the comics to a certain degree, I don't know what the dynamic in the writer's room is like. Clearly Kirkman is gonna wanna stick with the comics. I don't know how much, of a, how much pull he has. But the comics aren't good. They're just not good. And if, if you're gonna stick with the comics and kind of leave aside all the other stuff that you've been doing, you're just not gonna end up with a good product. And it was like the stuff that did happen that might have been important, we only saw little snatches of. I mean, you know, Oceanside shows up and that's great, but we see them for like two seconds. And okay, that's cool. Um, Jadis, who should be incredibly scarred, by the way, and who I just can't, you know, she, she, she looked fine. And she was like, all right, sure. I'll, I'll come, I'll come live with these people who I barely know after going through just unbelievable amounts of trauma and losing everything that ever mattered to me. Absolutely. That's fine. No, like that. We didn't see enough to justify her doing that. We definitely didn't see enough to justify her doing that from everything we saw up until now. I, I, yeah, I just don't see her leaving her trash heap that easily. No way. What Eugene did was cool. I, and I, I really liked it actually, but we all saw it coming a mile away. And yeah, just very, very little actually occurred. And AMC packed it so full of ads that it felt even less like anything really occurred. Yeah, it was just, it was just pretty much shit. I really think it's somewhat telling that all the stuff that I really enjoyed had to do with setting stuff up for next season. I mean, I guess in that sense, they didn't completely fail because part of the job of a finale, I think, is to kind of get you potentially invested in next season. Uh, but yeah, I just, that shouldn't have been all that they succeeded in and that pretty much was it. Uh, I, know, I know I'm kind of rambling here, but I mean, like, just like there wasn't very much depth in the episode, there, there's just, that means there's just not a lot for me to work with here. One thing I am a little surprised by, I thought we would see the helicopter again. We didn't. And that's kind of, the, the casualness with which we've treated the helicopter this season has been pretty interesting to me. You know, it shows up very briefly at the, you know, in the front half of the season. And there's really no comment about it. We just, Rick just sees it. And then we kind of get on with our lives. And then it shows up again, you know, in the back half. And, you know, we did, Negan is clearly very surprised by it, but then it just, nobody ever says anything about it again. And it's just weird. I, I don't even want to say it's bad. It's a little strange that Negan doesn't seem more invested in figuring out where the fuck a helicopter is coming from, but I guess he has other things on his mind. It's, it's just strange. It's one of the things that makes me, you know, invested in next season, potentially. I want to know where that's going, but it's also just weird how it was dealt with this season. And I, I thought we might see it again, just to kind of, you know, again, get people interested in it. Like, you know, you remember the helicopter? Don't you want to know where the helicopter is coming from? We didn't get anything like that. Uh, I, I, I don't really see where it would have fit into what we saw, but I don't think that what we saw had to be written the way it was written. So yeah, I don't, I don't know what's up with that. Uh, I want to I wanna say a quick word about why 
how how this was bad and what it looks like when these writers don't write well. So this is kind of, this is TD related basically. So a lot of people have dismissed Coda as bad writing. And I think that you could make a case for that. The thing about that is that last night, we I think we saw what it looks like when these writers don't write well. And what it looks like when they write in a way that's not good is that it just looks like, it looks like a beginner. You know, it looks kind of like how it looked with my first book. It just, it feels like they kind of regress almost. Back, back to where someone, where I can see what they're going for. Like I can follow the logic in the story. The problem isn't that I don't know what they're doing. The problem is that I know what they're doing and they're not doing it very well. It, it, it's not, it's not that I don't understand, it's that I understand and it's clumsy. The fact that I understand what they're doing makes the clumsiness even more piercing. I, I completely get what they were trying to do. It, it just felt like, it felt like a beginner. It felt like somebody who didn't really understand how you justify something or didn't really understand how you uh, have characters do things that make sense given, you know, and this is one area where it maybe bleeds a little bit into Coda, but it just, you need to justify characters' actions on screen by things you have had them do up to that point, and they didn't really succeed in doing that. But it wasn't weird. Like, again, it was comprehensible to me. If you asked me to explain what it was they were trying to do, I would be able to absolutely do that, because they telegraphed it to the moon and back. Last night is what it looks like when they don't write well. Coda did not look like that. Coda was just bizarre. Coda made no fucking sense. I, I don't know what they were going for in Coda. I don't know why they had Beth do what she did. I don't know why they killed her in the middle of her arc the way they did. It, it just makes no sense. And I've always said that, 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 that the, the writing in that episode, if it's bad, is so out of character bad that it's very hard for me to take it at face value. I, I just have a very, very hard time doing that. And I have tried. You know, I have tried to talk myself out of this and I haven't been able to do it and, and remain intellectually honest about it. So yeah, the, the sharp distinction between those two different kinds of bad writing and what they look like and how they work and how I can take them apart and do kind of narrative forensics with them. I, I just think that, I think that among other things, it was useful last night to see what it looks like when these writers write badly. It's, it's good to have a very solid case study to refer back to when we want to know what bad writing on this show really looks like. You know, looks, looks like in a way that I think isn't a matter of opinion. I mean, I really don't. I, I think that last night was just objectively not great. I, I, I saw a couple people who liked it, but yeah, I, I just, I think last night, I, I'm sorry, I just think last night was, was bad. I think last night was weak and, and kind of, you know, felt unexperienced to me. So that, that distinction is something that I'm kind of mulling on the day after as, as something that I think is, is potentially meaningful. Season nine. Yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there are some concerns. I have some concerns about it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it overall. I'm just hoping to God that, that Negan doesn't end up being center of it again, because like, honestly, I know very few people personally who want more Negan. You know, I, I, know, I know some people who think he's hot, and I totally get it, because Jeffrey Dean Morgan is extremely charismatic and very attractive. And he's a good actor, too. We've, we've seen him do good jobs when he's been given stuff to work with. But I'm just, I'm so tired of him. I was so ready for this plot to be done. I've, 
you know, if nothing else, last night, it's over. Last night ended it. And I guess that's really what I wanted more than anything, is I just wanted it to be over. But I just, I don't, I don't want them to kind of bring him back. And, you know, now the center is, instead of the war, the center is the Negan redemption arc. I just, I don't give a shit. The, the core plot line, the one that has been a snooze fest, like I put it, it's the Rick versus Negan. Rick versus Rick is interesting. Rick versus potentially everybody else is interesting. Rick versus Maggie is really interesting. Rick versus Negan is fucking boring. I don't care. I have never cared. I have never cared from the beginning about Rick versus Negan. And I just don't want more of that. You know, I, I just, I don't. And I'm concerned that they're going to do that. I'm concerned about the degree to which they'll follow the comics at all. This show is at its best when it diverges from the comics. All of the stuff in the last few seasons that it has been good, almost all of it has been either not the comics at all, or it has been a remix, a pretty heavy remix on what the comics did. And I, you know, yeah, The Whisperers, fine. I actually know very little about the Whispers, but they seem potentially cool. But, uh, you know, I, I just don't, I do not want them. I hope that, that having, having fulfilled their Negan war obligations to Kirkman, I hope that they recognize that, you know, season four was so strong because it didn't really have anything to do with the comics. You know, season, the, the first half of season five was so strong because it really didn't have anything whatsoever to do with the comics. So, We've heard some stuff about them returning to a, kind of a season four type feel in season nine. And I just hope desperately that means that they start doing their own stuff again. Because, yeah, that uh, I really think that would be the best. I'm going to be, like I said, I think I'm going to be following the filming spoilers with uh, more interest than normal. I, I, I generally don't uh, frequent the Spoiling Dead fan site. I've been checking in there this season a little more often than normal. I, I tend to like going into episodes not spoiled, but they have some info that I think is kind of interesting. And I, I do think I'll be following this filming spoilers over the hiatus because, yeah, there's some, there's some stuff that... There's some stuff I kind of don't want to wait to know, or at least I don't want to wait to have some idea about before we go in. So, yeah, yeah. Final verdict. Like I said, just very weak very weekend to what I really did think was a pretty great season. Few false steps, few things that I didn't particularly agree with and didn't really like, but yeah, it was a good season. I think it was one of the better seasons we've had, to be honest. I've said more than once that I thought it was approaching season four quality, and I really stand by that. I, I think that there was there was so much good this season, and I was so intrigued and, and you know engaged and brought in on so much of what they were doing. There's, there's, there's stuff I would have liked to see more of. There's stuff that, there, there, there are things I think that we missed. There are chances that they missed that we could have had some cool stuff with. But yeah, I think it was a great season. I just wish it hadn't ended as weekly as it did. But, you know, I can't have everything. Like Daryl says, people in hell want Slurpees. Uh, before I go, uh, so some people have kind of mentioned the, going back to DD, TD real quick, some people kind of mentioned the whole red machete thing, potentially being Beth. Um, like I said uh, on my blog, I'm very, very eh about that. I mean, on the one hand, I, I looked, after the whole boots thing, um, when people start comparing screenshots, like I said, I get very skeptical, like just immediately good, like my gut reaction is to go, oh, I don't know. I just, I don't, I looked at the hand comparisons. I think that it could be. I also think that 
small female hands kind of tend to look like small female hands. And I, you know, yes, I was, I, I pretty much agree that it's a woman picking up the machete, but um, as to who it is, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I certainly didn't see enough to make me think, you know, make me strongly inclined toward the idea that it was her. And I, I just, I think, again, you know, given what happened with the theory about Beth being one of the junkyard people, um, I, I just, I think that we should be extremely, extremely cautious. Because the more invested people get in something being a, a particular way, the more crushed they get when it ends up not being that way. And I think that one of the reasons why people have kind of you know, people in, on, on the team have kind of peeled off and, and whittled away. Uh, for one thing, I think they were watching the show for Beth, which was a big fucking mistake. I mean, you should watch the show for the show. If you're watching, just waiting for Beth to come back, no, of course you're going to leave eventually because you're not watching for anything but her. And if she doesn't show up, why would you continue to be invested? You know, I, I'm, I'm still here because I just like the show. That's one of the reasons why I haven't gone anywhere. I would like Beth to come back, but if she doesn't, I'm still enjoying the show. And so I think one of the reasons why I'm able to maintain a lot of my chill. But the other reason why I'm able to maintain a lot of my chill is because I'm just not looking for her anymore. And, you know, when something like the machete shows up and, you know, we start comparing hands, I'm, I'm like, well, maybe. Maybe, sure. But I just, I don't, also kind of don't care. Or at least I'm really, really determined not to care because I don't see what good is going to come from caring. If she shows up, she shows up. I haven't seen anything to indicate that that can't happen. Morales showed up after eight fucking seasons. Beth could come back anytime. And, you know, if she doesn't, she doesn't. I will be very disappointed because I will want to know what happened. Uh, you know, I, I'm actually okay with her being dead if I just can understand why everything around it was so fucking weird and doesn't make a tremendous amount of sense. But whatever, I'm just watching the show for the show. And I really, really strongly encourage people to take that attitude as well. Uh, if, if you're watching just for her to come back, you probably should quit watching and go do something else with your life. If you're, you know, kind of into maybe the idea that it could happen and you just like the show, then yeah, you're set up, I think, to be fine. So it's interesting. Um, I totally agree that it could be. But also my primary reaction is just to shrug. I, I don't know. Sure, maybe. But I'm just, you know, I'll just be here again in the fall because I like the show. So yeah, it's, uh, I'm sorry that I didn't have a whole lot deep to say, guys. But again, you know, there just wasn't, wasn't very much to dig into here. Oh, oh, before, before I go, like one more, one more thing that I didn't, it's a very minor point, but I would have appreciated some explanation for it. And maybe I just missed something because, you know, fuck, sometimes I miss some things. Why was there stained glass in a tree? Like, I'm okay with surreality on this show, clearly, and I appreciated the imagery. It was kind of cool. But who hung stained glass on a random fucking tree? What was up with that? It, it, if you're going to include elements of the fantastic, you know, kind of, again, a la Morgan, that's great. That's fine. But they do need to adhere to some kind of internal logic. Just throwing weird shit in for the sake of weird shit. I, I don't... I'm not down with it. I'm, I'm just... I just I, it was yet another thing that... If the rest of the episode had been great, perhaps I wouldn't have so much of an issue with it and it wouldn't have felt like quite so much of a false note. But it really felt like a false note. I, I just... I'm not... God, nothing fucking worked last night. Nothing worked. Even the stuff that should have worked didn't work because everything around it didn't work. 
it's possible that if I went back and watched it again, I would think differently. You know, maybe, maybe I have at, at the time watched episodes of this show where I was just pissed off, you know, kind of in general. It just something didn't work for me and I just ended up pissed off and that kind of made nothing else work. But then I've gone back and rewatched the episodes and it's been kind of like, oh, this actually wasn't so terrible. That might happen for me with this episode. But on the, on the other hand, I, I don't I don't know under what circumstances I would rewatch this. I, I just maybe if I get as far in my rewatch as as you know season eight, I don't know. You know, will the fandom even exist at that point? I don't know. Maybe, but it, yeah, I just nah, nah, nah. Probably my least favorite season finale of all. Uh, after you know one of my favorite seasons, to be honest. I don't. I didn't love eight quite as much as four, but it, it's up there for me. Fuck. Okay. All right. Bring on season nine. Let's settle in for the hiatus. So, for the purposes of that hiatus, yeah. Uh, next Monday, probably Monday, maybe Tuesday. Look for the first episode of my giant rewatch. I really think I'm going to be doing that, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of going back and, and revisiting everything with kind of fresh eyes and I, I think that'd probably be cool thanks so much for listening uh look for a couple of other episodes that fall more in line with what keep singing used to do uh, i do still plan to go back to the reading series and also uh i'm gonna do kind of an ask me anything episode so if you have any questions or you have anything that you want me to rant about uh, send them my way tumblr you know message me send me asks whatever just mark them for the podcast so i know that you're not sending me something you want me to answer at that moment and yeah i'll talk about it maybe all right, I'm going to edit this and get it up and then go on with the rest of my day. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks for your support all through the season. This was fun. I'm probably going to do it next season, assuming we're all spared to see it. And I will speak to you next week. Bye.